As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Greetings, salutations, and hello to all of my listeners, my unlucky lounge rats. Good to have you back here in the unlucky lounge for a brand new episode of Draft and Draft Friday Night Podcast Edition. My name is Corey, your limited lore master, denizen of this, the unlucky lounge. And joining me, as always, is the bear with the smooth jams, the cool drinks, and the guy who's always there for you on turn number two. His name is Borak. We are in the heat of Kaldheim, Borak. There's a lot of good bears in this set. How do you feel right now? Format fatigue, that's fair. It really is. I mean, we are very deep into call time, and Strixhaven is a little bit still down on the horizon. Hopefully, we'll get some Tinker's Cube and Arena Cube up on the client soon. But until then, we're back to call time here this week, baby. And before we get to our draft, a few bits of housekeeping and upkeeping. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, BLEAV.com, or wherever you download your audio goodness. Keep your midday blues away with Believe and continue the conversation with us on socials, on Twitter, on YouTube, and on TikTok, Draft and Draft Corey. You can also find my Instagram, Corey Demone Enriquez, and if the show is giving you some joy, find us on Patreon patreon.com backslash draft and draft help us keep the lights on here in the unlucky lounge and a big thank you to all my current patrons i truly could not do the show without each and every one of you well that's enough of the housekeeping and the upkeeping the sorcerer's broom is put back into the conjurer's closet and we are going to get our draft fired up here today but before the draft starts up let's have ourselves a celebration Grab a drink, grab a snack, maybe even crack a pack. Folks, this is a special time that we like to call the untapped step. Ah, Cheers, friends, to another great draft here at the end of your week. Here we go to pick one, pack one. The rare is Mystic Reflection. This is the blue card that can change a creature that enters the battlefield uh, into another creature that uh, is already there. Not a great card, it's... 
never been played in any game of limited I've seen thus far here on the clients. Uh, for the uncommons, there is Rune of Flight, the blue rune, quite good. Usher of the Fallen, which is one of the few aggro cards that I actually want to play uh, in like the red-white aggro deck double spell. Shepherd of the Cosmos, which is also nice. The land is Arctic Tree Line, and there's also a Struggle for Skemfar. I think we're just going to go with the Struggle for Skemfar now, because green is just that good. We're just going to go with the common fight spell. Could you imagine when this format started that just that common fight spell is going to be the pick one, pack one, even with a cantrip flight rune? Man, I don't know. I could be a little bit off, and I think that is pretty reasonable, but both cards kind of go into that blue-green best deck of the format. So, struggle on our stack into pick two, pack one. The Snowland's pretty good. It's Volatile Fjord, the red-blue Snowland. Not quite with Struggle for Skemfar, but... As I was saying before, I kind of want to avoid some of the snow stuff. It is just a little bit overdrafted. The uncommon is Frost Augur. The rare is Blood Sky Massacre. Man, black red just doesn't ever come together unless you get the rares. But what we are going to take here, and we're going to try it out because I think this card's a lot of fun. And if we find the right combination of cards, can be very good. We're going to go with Frost Pyre Arcanist. This is the 2-5 for 4 and a blue. If you control a giant or wizard, it costs one less, and then when it ETBs, you search your library for an instant or sorcery with the same name as a card in your graveyard, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. We start on struggle. Why not go with this really great card advantage engine? Maybe we get a glimpse of the cosmos or a couple behold the multiverses and just go to town. Pick three, pack one. When it comes to blue and green cards, what's better than a ravenous lindworm? The 6-6 six, six ETBs gains for life for four green green. Just very good. The Uncommons, Kaya's Onslaught, Hailstorm Valkyrie, and Cardor's Vicious Return. Of these three cards, the Hailstorm Valkyrie seems to be the card that I'd be most interested in drafting here, but we're just not going to pass up on a Ravenous Lindworm off of already trying to plan to go into green-blue. So for today and our draft, I want to kind of frame a conversation starter. As I said at the top of the show, we are very deep into Call Time Limited right now. And Strixhaven, we see that it's going to be enemy schools. So excited that the Prismari, the Izzet Guild, the blue-red uh, school, is theater kids. That's my background. Oh my gosh, I got my degree from the University of Minnesota in theater. So the Prismari, I am all about that. I will definitely make an EDH deck if there's some kind of, like, I don't know, prefect or main professor. I'll be all over that. Don't get me wrong. I'm in that to win that. Uh, but I don't want to talk about Strixhaven as we're drafting here. I have another conversation starter that I want to get to. But let's go to pick four of pack one. The blue still doesn't look quite strong enough. We see right now a Draugr Thought Thief or a Raven Form. Raven Form gets there. It's fine. There's also an Ice High Troll. This is that Snow 2-3 for two and a green. You pay Snow, Snow gets plus two, plus oh, indestructible until end of turn. Then you tap it. This card has definitely overperformed and is quite nice with a struggle for Skemfar. And if we end up with a snow card or two, great. The Uncommons, Great Hall of Starnheim, and Port of Carfell. I do like a Port of Carfell. I'm kind of interested in maybe taking this and seeing if we can get a double black somewhere. Maybe we're splashing blue and trying to go into black-green. I don't know. Yeah, Borok, you're right. The Ice High Troll is still good enough with, say, a struggle for Skemfar. And maybe we'll end up with a Snow here, too, a Glittering Frost, and that card will be perfectly fine. Pick 5, Pack 1. There is a Return Upon the Tide. This is a card that we drafted last week with uh, kind of the Abzan deck that we put together. Ended up going 4-3. If you want to take a look at how the deck did, uh, find us on those socials. We're drafting kind of quick video recaps of how the deck performs. 
interesting. I kind of like it, so maybe take a look. Uh, but this is kind of boiling down to, in this pack, Snow-Covered Forest and Augury Raven. We just took an Ice Hide Troll. Given a choice, I want to be there. There's also a Disdainful Stroke, which works pretty nicely with the Frostpire Arcanist. We'll easily pick up a second one, but I think we'll pick up two pretty late in this draft in general. I'm going to take an Augury Raven. It's just a consistent flyer, and I'd rather just have a card that's going to make a must-answer impact on the board than, say, a Snow-Covered Forest, when I am kind of right now on the plan of Let's Avoid Snowlands. Pick six. We see a Fall of the Imposter here in this pack. Is it just me, Unlucky Lounge Rats? Or... If you see the Fall of the Imposter, you can really play around it, like good removal spell on your opponent's creatures, and then just, I don't know, any number of things to make sure you don't lose your big value thing. It, it has unimpressed me, but it's still something that I would be kind of interested in playing. There's another Raven form here, and an Elder Leaf Mentor. I think for now I'm going to go with the Fall of the Imposter. You know, I, I might have just talked down to it just a little bit, but I think this card is enough in a pinch that it could be pretty nice and maybe if we get a little bit of snow going with the ice high troll we can be in some business we're gonna get back to that topic conversation that didn't even mention or talk about quite yet but we are gonna pick up this mass vandal though on pick seven pack one this card just consistently overperforms for me and for many of my friends the one three changeling when it etbs you can exile a creature card from your graveyard if you do you exile an artifact or enchantment an opponent controls and it's a changeling really nice with that frostpire arcanist <laughs> Yeah, there's so many just random artifacts and enchantments rolling around, Borak. Good point. Oh, there's also a Raven Wings in this pack. This card has come around a little bit, especially because in these grindy matchups, you want some way to push through damage. What I want to talk about during our draft here in the in-between times of picks is Time Spiraled Remastered, but not necessarily the full spoiler list or maybe card interactions. I want to talk about the bonus sheet and how interesting that bonus sheet plays in roles here in the set that's coming up of Time Spiraled Remastered. Pick 8, pack 1. There's two picks for me here. There's a Snow-Covered Plains, there's a Bredegard Stronghold, and there is a Master Scald. I don't want to take the Master Scald even though I have a Fall of the Imposter at the moment. The land is pretty good, the Sackland. It's white-green, but maybe we just take a Snow-Covered Plains right now since I could see us getting a few snow things here and there. So let's go ahead and take that snow-covered plans, and hey, we get paid off with that tabled arctic tree line. All right, not too bad. I'm sure we can find a Master Scald in our next couple packs to pay off with the Fall of the Imposter. In any case, a lot of us are probably not going to end up drafting Time Spiraled Remastered online. If you have Moto, good for you. You can do that as much as you like. Sadly, I'm still a Mac user, and I cannot get Moto, so Arena is my choice. And sadly... Time Spiraled Remastered is not coming onto Arena. <sighs> yeah, Boraka, I'm a little sad about it. Don't get me wrong. Just a little bit sad. I have fond memories of Time Spiraled Remastered, and especially the bonus sheet that is in Time Spiraled Remastered. Uh, pick 10, we're going to table a Frost Augur. Who knows if we'll actually play it. We have Ice Eye Troll, Arctic Treeline, and Snow Covered Plains at the moment. Maybe we'll find a way to make it. Well, we still want a number of snow permanence before I want to play this Frost Augur. But the bonus sheet provides some interesting dynamics inside a draft format that a lot of normal formats don't really get. Hey, we tabled a Hailstorm Valkyrie here in pick 11. Why not? We'll snap that up. Uh, and we're going to round out this. Hey, a little Priest of the Haunted Edge. Maybe we can go into black instead of white. We do have the Fall of the Imposter, but who really cares uh, if I can get some nice black stuff going on? 
But we do have two snow lands, so maybe we can just keep ourselves open for Fall of the Imposter, as we're going to quickly wrap up garbage time and go into pick one of pack two. This is going to be a pretty easy snap up Rhymewood Falls. It's the Forest Island Snowland. Just a great duel. Does some wonderful work. Besides that, there's a Sculptor of Winter. But I'm definitely more interested in Rhymewood Falls here than anything else. The two black cards we picked up late are pretty good, but maybe we can find a... I don't know, Glittering Frost or a few snow duels here and there, but we're definitely just going to take the snow land and see if maybe we can make snow work. I say I'm avoiding it, but sometimes the weather outside has got to be frightful. In any case, going back to that narrative of the extra bonus sheet, for those of you listening who don't know too much about Time Spiral Remastered, every pack in the back is going to have a card from the bonus sheet. This is the card frame that's the old frame if you've seen any spoilers online this is where you're going to see that really cool old school frame on new school cards which is kind of what they're doing with time spiraled remastered they're playing on a lot of nostalgia and putting modern cards in old frames and i think they're gorgeous looking but what do they do exactly inside of limited formats yeah you're right borak i kind of Completely ignore the fact that we just got ourselves a Cosima. Man, this card has really shown up for us. I think in the last four drafts, we're going to take it now in three of the four ones. This is the God 2-4 that when you uh, go to your upkeep, you can exile it, landfall, give it a voyage counter, returns, puts a bunch of counters on it. Equal to voyage counters, draw cards on the back, it's the Omen Keel. One of my commander decks, the 3-3 crew one vehicle for one of blue. That when it deals damage or any vehicle, you control deals damage, you exile that many cards from the top of your opponent's library, and then you may play a land amongst them uh, for the rest of the game. Yeah, nice little snap up there and pick two of pack two. But the Time Spiral Remastered sheet is going to do some very interesting things because the format is designed to support the archetypes, but a lot of these cards aren't necessarily archetype drops, but instead are there to satisfy uh, some classic collector feels and to potentially kind of give us some variance in the draft format. So the question I have on the table is, how do we feel about the crazy variance that the extra bonus sheet is going to provide for us? Pick three, pack two. We see another Frostpire Arcanist. At the moment, we have no support for our single one, so I'm not too interested in taking a second. Maybe we can pick up that double Disdainful Stroke. Maybe we can still find ourselves. Double Behold the Multiverse seems kind of out of the left field at this moment. Uh, but if we're not going to take that, we have a Horizon Seeker, the nice 3-2 boast creature that gives you a land from your library, puts it into your hand. Or, of course, we have an Elderly Mentor or a Guardian Gladewalker. You know what? Let's go with the Frostbire Arcanist. This is a cool, just really, let's let's dedicate ourselves to a game plan. And let's see if we can make this game plan work as we go into pick four. Wow, okay, so Path of the World Tree is in here. I don't think I'm going to take it right now. Right now, it's between Glacial Floodplain and Shimmerdrift Vale. I think I'm going to take the Glacial Floodplain, another Snowland. Sadly, we're probably not going to get that Shimmerdrift Vale, but we maybe might table a Path of the World Tree, which I would not be sad about. We already have snow-covered planes, and if we end up splashing a few other white cards like Bounding Golds, we can do some good work with that. Unless I think I can table Glacial Floodplain and take a Shimmerdrift Vale instead, I don't think there's too much evidence to support that, and I know that we're probably going to definitely splash white at this point. It's hard to say, but I'll just take a Glacial Floodplain and just be kind of happy about that. Oh boy, Savella Ice Shaper is here. The 2-4 that makes Ice Manalus. And then you can pay eight, and then look at the top four cards of your library, cast a spell amongst them. 
And then put the rest on the bottom in a random order. Yeah, it's a good one, but it's definitely not going to be a card we're going to play. We will take a Guardian Gladewalker, though, here. The 1-1, one, one, Changeling, ETBs, put a counter on something. One a green, why not? So, the question I have here is, with that bonus sheet and Time Spiral Remastered, with there being so much variance, how do we feel about that? I really think it's kind of exciting. Having a level of variance of unexpectedness and having those really cool stories to tell off of, say, opening a true name nemesis, or maybe opening, what are some other really cool cards? A Restoration Angel. That seems like a really spicy one to get going. And then suddenly you have just like this completely zany off the sidewall kind of things going on. Really, really like what that does. And I think that kind of variance is gonna lead to some cool stories. I just wish we could tell those stories here on MTGA. And sadly, we're not gonna get it. So it's not worth being too sad about. It's worth uh, going into pick six, pack two instead. We see a bind the monster. I'm definitely in the market for another bit of removal. And as we've seen before in the past, bind the monster answers the Savella that we passed just a second ago. Kind of wish we had eight player tables. I wonder if that's the next step for MTGA is getting a draft table where all eight players are there, maybe setting like a specific amount of time that you have to stay in it. I know that's like a pretty big commitment, especially for what the client is asking its players of, but I don't know. It's kind of my dream at some point to do those eight player pods. Or get back into LGSs. An excellent point, Borak. Here in pick seven, we see another masked vandal. There's really nothing else to kind of speak of. There's a Raider's Carve, but I definitely don't want to play a Raider's Carve. I just don't think that card's very good for us or in general. So I'll take a second Mass Vandal. Still hoping to find a double spell something or other here. Uh, in pick eight, three seasons is here. There's also a Raven Form. And there's also a Glittering Frost. When it comes to how our deck is developing right now, kind of down for a Glittering Frost. Let's keep getting some colors going, friends. Let's keep getting some colors going. Here's our table pack. We're going to take a Disdainful Stroke. Nice. If we can find a second one, we can start making those Frost Pyre Arcanists worth it. Uh, Frost Peak Yeti is going to be in pick 10 of pack 2. And hey, there's another Disdainful Stroke, but there's that Horizon Seeker that we talked about before. Ah, oh, I do love me some Horizon Seeker. But you know what? Let's go with the Disdainful Stroke, just because we got that double Arcanist. Want to make sure they work. And Aniko Defies Destiny, the horrible Fortell Saga that I don't think I've ever played and probably won't, but maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the time. So going to garbage time here, our deck is starting to get a good shell. Want to find some more instances and sorceries, potentially get a pair of them. Another struggle for Scampar would be lovely. If I can find one of those, I will probably snap it up. Maybe some extra payoff here and there. Ooh, a little Scampar Elder Hall and a strategic planning. Maybe we take the strategic planning. Perhaps we can go with a double spell there. You know, that's not the worst thing to get off of Frostpire Arcanist. And yeah, I just, I have a lot of faith in that card. Frostpire Arcanist does so much good work if you can get it to trigger. Let's go into pick one of pack three. Arnie Brokenbrow, Narfi Betrayer King. Gates of Isfel is nice, but there's a binding of the old gods. We just took ourselves a Glittering Frost not too long ago. You know, maybe this is good enough to get here and now. Uh, there is a Shimmerdrift Veil in this pack. That is pretty good. There's also a Frostbite for removal. There's a second Ravenous Lindworm. I think I'm kind of in the market for taking another Snow Permanent. With, if we really want to play this Frost Augur. Nah, I'm just going to take this Binding of the Old Gods. It's just so good. And the Fall of the Imposter right now is very free with our three different Snowlands we have in our deck. We have four Snowlands. Maybe we can make this Frost Augur work, Borok. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know, I, I, I bad-talked it, and now I'm just going to eat my words. Uh, pick two, pack three. Morita of the Frost is here. Man, this card just is very good. This is the Changeling Clone for two green, blue, blue. Legendary Snow Creature Shapeshifter. Really cool. We're definitely going to take that here and now and uh, not be too sad about it. So, taking all of this extra sheet from Time Spiral Remastered, what is kind of the greater point that I'm making? Well kind of goes to set that we talked about before, Strixhaven. Strixhaven, when it had kind of the primer released, not so much like the rules primer, but just on the main page that talked about the set, there was some talks about the extra cool thing they're doing, which is they're bringing back classic spells, giving them a new frame, and putting them inside of the set. And they alluded in that article that they're going to be in paper in such a way that if you open it, you can just draft it. So are they going to seed these cards into MTGA? I believe from what I read and what's being alluded to, yeah. We may just see ourselves getting some really nifty new spells to play in Historic on MTGA. Who knows, but I would definitely be down for some variants, especially when we get to this late in the format, like call time. Like, everything is just so prescribed. We know the best decks. And just having something special every once in a while to just kind of pop up and make room for itself, I think that'd be pretty gosh darn cool. Don't you think, my unlucky lounge rats? Pick four, pack three. We took that Binding of the Old Gods, and now we get paid off a little bit because we get a late Shimmer Drift Veil, the Snowland that ETBs, you choose a color, and you get one mana of the chosen color. Really nice. Again, like we talked about maybe about a month and a half ago, when it comes to your snow lands, you just pay attention, make sure you have your colors covered, and then you can start rolling this out for, say, black, and you're golden. Our big commitment right now is Marisa the Frost and Ravenous Lindworm with color pips. And besides that, our Fall of the Imposter is pretty free, and now the Binding of the Old Gods is starting to get nice and free too. I would pretty happily here take a Master Scald if I can find it. Yeah, Borak, if you Master Scald a Binding of the Old Gods, it basically feels like cheating. You know, at this point, I think the double Frostpire Arcanists are not necessarily going to do the trick, but what is going to do the trick is this Ingarunize. Oh, what a lovely legendary creature. 3-3 three, three for 3 and a blue, uncommon, ETB scries 3, and then when it dies, if three other creatures die this turn, you get to draw 3 cards. I'm kind of in the market for some card advantage. There is a Trickster's God heist, though, too, and we've got a lot of kind of weak stuff at the early point, but I just can't pass up an Inga Runize. Maybe we'll find that Trickster God heist a little bit down the line. Pick six, wow. Wow. Woodland Chasm, the Swamp Forest Snowland, is still in the pack. There's basically nothing else. There's a Hailstorm Valkyrie, and hey, maybe we can make uh, some of the black stuff that we took earlier work with all the Snowland that we have. Maybe we can tip with this other Hailstorm Valkyrie. Seems unlikely, but... What seems more likely is us making this double Frostpire Arcanist work. Unfortunately, all the good blue-green spells are just so overdrafted now. We just can't make those things work. Unfortunate it is. Pick 7, pack 3. There's a Raven Wings. There is a Depart the Realm. I think I'm more apt to take a Raven Wings at this point. There is a Jaspira Sentinel, the 1-2 with Reach Elf Rogue. You can tap it and another creature you control to add one mon of any color. I'm just not a big fan of that card in general. I'm just going to take that Raven Wings. Ooh, Three Seasons is here. Huh. Do we have enough snow to support a Three Seasons? 
Yeah, Brock, it might not even matter. We just need a little bit more card advantage, and I guess three seasons is going to do the trick here. And I'm going to take that over an Undersea Invader, the 5-6 Flasher. We don't need any more top end. I think we're going to be okay, even if we're a little bit light on it. I'd rather just have ourselves a nice three seasons payoff there. Pick nine, there is a Carful Harbinger and there is a Lit Jara Kinseekers. I think I'm just going to take the Kinseekers. When it comes to creature types, we don't have a lot. We have four wizards, uh, but we have a lot of shapeshifters. I think I'd rather just have this nice little body on the battlefield. Ooh, we tabled our Raven form there. I'll gladly snap up that little bit of card advantage. And we're going to go to garbage time here. So, kind of wrapping up some of the thoughts we talked about before. Would love to see the bonus sheet kind of make an appearance here on MTGA to keep formats fresh in the long run and to provide a little bit of variance. I think as long as the cards are balanced enough for MTGA, it's a good way to introduce some oddball cards into the format and to keep player investment in limited formats down the long run. But we've got our deck here. We ended up kind of doing pretty good on colors and I guess on snow. So it's no problem with us as we're going to put this deck together. Waka waka, friends. We'll see you in just a bit. Welcome back, all of my unlucky lounge rats. I hope you've refreshed, refuel, and good to see you return as we break down this deck. Or maybe just stack of 40 cards. That might be a more apt description of our build here. Because we're a little bit all over the place. And that's kind of what the big green decks do in this format, wouldn't you say? They're kind of all over the place. Which is why in the last few episodes I've really advocated for staying on task and staying on plan. Take a look at last week's Abzan deck where we just didn't touch snow whatsoever. And we had a pretty happy build. Here, a late frost auger, a handful of snow duels kind of pushed us into pursuing the snow plan and we pursued that snow plan even though I talked down to it at the same time we were trying to pursue the Frostpire Arcanist plan that double spell in our deck plan to get some good card equity and some good board advantage off of having a 2-5 body. Sadly our split focus caused this deck to have a bit of a muddled message and when it came to the final build of the deck we kind of needed the playable narrative to take over so we're actually going a little bit deeper on a black splash than we are on a white splash as we thought we were going to be earlier in the draft we're playing the binding of the old gods we're playing the late hailstorm valkyrie and priest of the haunted edge that we tabled in pack one because of the presence of some of the snow things we have going on sculptor of winter frost auger i want to make sure that those cards are actually quite playable in the deck so we leaned a little bit more into the black side of things and leaned into more of the controly package side of things while still cutting the two Frostpire Arcanists. Yes, it's a great control card, but it's just not going to get there. The only double spell we have is a Disdainful Stroke. And if I'm going to double spell off of a situational counterspell off a of Frostpire Arcanist, is it really worth it, my unlucky lounge rats? I think not. Our removal package is pretty decent. Bind the monster... A Priest of the Haunted Edge. It's going to come down a little bit late, but I still think it's going to be pretty good. A Fall of the Imposter and Binding of the Old Gods gives us a pretty decent play. And since we are splashing for the Binding and the Priest, we can just easily splash 
for the Hailstorm Valkyrie. It also is more on point with that Frost Augur plan, which leaves us with 14 snow permanence. That's not bad. That means about 33% of the time, if we activate Frost Augur, we might actually get some card advantage off of it. And even though we have no Behold the Multiverses between Frost Augur, the three seasons that we are going to play, another consideration for all those extra black snow permanents that we're fitting into the deck, and the Frost Peak Yeti. Yes, I'm going to play a Frost Peak Yeti because I just want a way to end the game because our top end is just Marite the Frost and Ravenous Lindworm. I think we've got maybe just enough to sneak out some snow synergies and try to alleviate the snow problems that we're having. How big are these problems going to be? The only way is to draw seven and find out. Let's see what we can do to salvage a little bit of this Sultai Snow Poop deck with a white splash. Man, if that's the elevator pitch for this deck, then I am in trouble. Alright, here we go with an keepable opening hand of Forest Island Island, Ravenform, Ice High Troll, Inga Runize, and a Three Seasons. So even if our opponent answers our Ice High Troll, we can bring it back here relatively consistently, and we have a nice curve to boot. Our opponent opens on Swamp and Dusk Wielder. This is the one, two that can boast for a colorless, and then target opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. It drains for one. This card has been pretty wholly unimpressive to me, and I don't think that opinion has changed at all as the format has continued on. I played it once in a pretty unsuccessful deck, but, you know, sometimes you gotta do it. Our opponent next goes to Plains, uh, the black-white double spell deck. This is what our opponent might be going towards. I've said on the show before how much I am in favor of that deck. My opinion has come down just a little bit after a few trials uh, with the deck here, especially later on in the format. You really do need to have things like Fearja, Clarion Spirits, uh, to get the deck really pumping. Our last two draws have been Forest, and now we just drew an Arctic Tree Line, so we're starting to get a little bit of snow. That keeps us still off of being able to activate the Heist Hydroll, but here on turn three, we will play it. Our opponent foretold a card in their turn two, as we foretold our Raven form. So next turn, we can still swing with Ice Hydroll, pending our opponent's plays, and we have an Ingo Runize to boot. Our opponent lays out Goldvein pick. Well, that is a real good one. This is the equipment that equips for one colorless, for two you play it, and the equipped creature gets plus one, plus one. They are attacking with their 1-2, obviously not equipping. They're still going to be able to get a little bit of value off of boasting with the Dusk Wielder, so good on our opponent as they actually play Kaya's Onslaught. Hmm, okay. So they get to kill the Ice Hydroll, but honestly, I'm not that concerned about that line. We still get to run out our Inga Runize, and at least the Kai's Onslaught is used. Typically, when you see Kaya Onslaught played, it is to just actively kill your opponent in some kind of combo with run amok. So, you know what? Why not? Ooh, we see a very, very strong top three cards. In fact, we're going to keep all of them on top. We see Struggle for Skemfar, Cosima, God of the Voyage, and Rhymewood Falls. So, we'll probably put the Struggle on top. We'll do... This is kind of tricky because I want more lands with the Cosima. So, maybe we'll go Cosima into Rhymewood Falls, into Struggle on the bottom, so we can still use our removal spell and get the most value off of our Cosima God of the Voyage. So, yeah, we're going to keep all three cards. Very nice, and we still have a Raven form to answer something big our opponent might do. I would like to save it for, say, a Fearja God of Valor or something else big. Our opponent plays a Priest of the Forgotten Edge. Uh, they equip their Dusk Wielder. 
They can't attack, though, into our 3-3 unless they have another trick up their sleeve. And the Priest currently has no snow lands for them to get advantage off of. So, not too overly concerned as we draw that Cosima. We're going to play it for our turn. Little 2-4 blocker. And we'll play our Arctic Tree line. We still do not have a Swamp for the Hailstorm Valkyrie that we drew. But I still think we're in a pretty good place as we're starting to stall at the game here. And our opponent doesn't have many good attacks. And that's clearly what they are trying to do with their deck build. Four cards in hand. We have Hailstorm Valkyrie, Three Seasons, and a Raven Form in the Fortel Zone, the Exile Zone. And our opponent now plays their fourth Swamp in a single Plains. They might be a little bit short on Plains. Maybe they do have a Fearja. I believe that's a double white card. I could be wrong about that, my unlucky Lounge Rats. Just thinking off the top of my head. If our opponent does have a removal spell for, say, you know, the Cosima, that would be not great. They actually just pass their turn. Wow. Well, we will exile the Cosima now. So we can just easily play the Rhymewood Falls. Unfortunately, we're not going to draw another land off of that for a while, so maybe I'm not supposed to? Hmm. Yeah, well, I know that we're getting that struggle in the next turn, which is a little tricky, but we do have two removal spells, so that's kind of appealing to at least get a cantrip off of the Cosima, and even though we won't get it in our next turn, we can still three seasons and try to mill into a snow land, and we still get to bring back the Ice High Troll that was killed previously, so... Yeah, I'm pretty happy to just pass the turn here with our opponent not making many moves. Maybe they have a removal spell in their hand. Say, a Poison the Cup. I feel like they would have foretold it on their turn. Because just foretelling it's a better play. They play their second planes and our opponent passes through the turn. Wow. Well, it looks like our opponent is not getting particularly lucky here. I feel a little bit bad. And by a little bit, I mean actually just a little bit. Pretty happy to just now play this three seasons. Hopefully we can get a Snowland milled here. And we do not. And we actually mill two of our very good sagas, both the Fall of the Imposter and the Binding of the Old Gods, with Lajara Kinseekers uh, being on top. So, unfortunate turn of events for us. But we will still attack with the Ingarunais after we are... Nah, it feels kind of bad. I think we're supposed to just hold, and then maybe we can just kind of keep on keeping on. Sadly, if we could have just milled one of our, our black sources, that would have been very nice for the Hailstorm Valkyrie in our hand. But our opponent's not doing anything. And we still have two pieces of removal, so hopefully we can just hold the line and we can shuffle back some of the cards that we milled back in Chapter 3 with the Three Seasons. Well, our opponent plays Carfell Kelmaster. This can give them a nice swing here with their Dusk Wielder. And we're just going to have to take 3-4 here, and they're going to make a treasure token as well. Good for our opponent. Good for our opponent. Getting some good work in off that Dusk Wielder. So we're at 15. Our opponent's at 21. They've now got a Carfell Kelmaster. And they have themselves that Dusk Wielder with a uh, spicy little action on uh, the Golvain pick. But we are now going to be able to play our Ice Hide Troll. And we do have activation of it up as well with both our Arctic Tree line and our Rhymewood Falls up. We can't foretell anything, unfortunately, but I think I'm going to be pretty okay with that. And we're going to be able to shuffle back in our two Sagas alongside our Lichar Kinseekers. So... Unfortunately, Three Seasons was just a pretty expensive... Oh, they're going to bound in gold. Our Ice Hide Troll here. Not bad, opponent. Not bad. So, yeah, they get, they get that off of us. Good, good on our opponent. They're going to get a free swing for four here, it looks like. So, uh, five, after they re-equip their uh, Gold Vein pick to it. Yeah, we'll go down to ten. Our opponent still has yet to play a Snowland for their Priest of the Haunted Edge. That does not escape me here in this equation. 
And hey, we did draw our Woodland Chasm. Not bad, not bad. So we get all of our graveyard cards back. Our opponent's going to get their Kaya's Onslaught shuffled back in. So good for them on that one. Good for them on that one. And we'll play our Woodland Chasm. And I'm thinking about potentially Raven forming the, uh, the Carfell Kennelmaster. But we are going to get back our Cosima too, which is not irrelevant. And we're going to draw a card here. Let's see what we draw. Hey, we draw that binding that we uh, got. So nice little, uh, you know, kind of coming back in this game here. So now I've got this struggle of what do I want to do with this turn, particularly because I have a struggle that has some choices to make here. Um, we can struggle and swing. So we could struggle on our Cosima, getting their Priest of the Forgotten Edge. That seems like a fair use of our mana here. That's going to now get our swings on line here and we have blocks for the Carfeld Kennelmaster since our Cosima is now a 4-6 and Inga's now going to get to town here and attack and we still have a Disdainful Stroke to counter whatever our opponent might play that could be big and scary sadly the Bounding Gold went right underneath that Disdainful Stroke last turn otherwise we would have an unlocked Ice Hide Troll at the moment but hey, life goes on friends life goes on our opponent's also flooding out pretty hard here. They have eight lands. We as well have quite a number of lands, but I'm pretty happy with my land count considering how mana-hungry my deck is wanting to be. So we're not going to exile Cosima. We're going to happily use it as an attacker, and we're going to run out the Binding of the Old Gods to kill our opponent's Carfell Kelemaster. We are at 10, and the question is, do we want to do nothing else this game? The answer is actively yes, because our opponent scooped after we replayed our Binding of the Old Gods. I got shuffled with three seasons, and another W comes to us here on Friday Night Podcast. Well, though we bad-talked Snow as an archetype, and, well, our deck kind of feels like a 6 out of 10, we still got the win here this week on Friday Night Podcast. And granted, yes, our opponent drew quite poorly. Take the win where I can get it. Let's say, in the end, we had no problems at all. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Borak. I think that joke has done as Hercules did. It has gone the distance. Well, let's wrap this show up here. With a question to all of you, tell me what do you think about my theory about seeding in bonus cards in future limited sets on MTGA, similar to how we have that extra bonus sheet in Time Spiral Remastered, the special spells, the classic spells, with the really cool overlay going into Strixhaven, and honestly, we just had Historic Anthology drop today on Arena, maybe, just maybe we could release these historic anthologies through the frames of current limited environments to keep them feeling fresh down the line. Let me know what you think on Twitter, on TikTok, and on YouTube as well, Draft and Draft Corey. You can find me on Instagram, Corey Demone Enriquez, and if this show is giving you some joy, find us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash draft and draft. And the good news is patrons get Friday nights a day early. That's right. The show drops on Thursday, give you an extra bit of Friday on your weekend. Hey, who couldn't use a little extra at the end of a hard work week? 
Well, friends, it looks like I found the bottom of my drink, and so we've reached the end of another episode. My name is Corey, joined alongside Borak. <laughs> and this has been Draft and Draft, Friday Night Podcast Edition. Now go out there and make some magical memories of your own. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.